This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Welcome to the Cocky Ride Home for Monday, August 24th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. It turns out the Oumuamua might be alien tech after all. The truth behind that asteroid allegedly hitting Earth the day before America's election, Finnish scientists have discovered an effective hangover cure, and the weird 1970s commercials hidden in a Disney Plus special. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Do you remember Oumuamua? It's the mysterious object that vaulted into our solar system at the end of 2017. Its mystery comes from both its unknown origins and its very uncharacteristic appearance and behavior compared to other interstellar objects. Oumuamua is long and thin, twice as narrow as the most narrow objects in our solar system, and it also tumbles from side to side as it rotates. And scientists found that it was accelerating, but they had no idea why. The main running theory was that it was made mostly of hydrogen, and that solid hydrogen was blasting off of Oumuamua, causing it to accelerate. But a new study published last week in the Astrophysical Journal Letters by Harvard astrophysicist Avi Loeb and Tiam Huang, an astrophysicist at the Korea Astronomy and Space Science Institute, rejects this hypothesis leaving us with only one other relatively reasonable explanation for Oumuamua, that it is part of an alien spacecraft of some sort. This alien hypothesis has been around pretty much since the discovery of Oumuamua, but the hydrogen theory poured cold water on it. Now that the hydrogen hypothesis has been shown to be quite unlikely, aliens are back in the game. Quoting Scientific American, Oumuamua was the first object ever seen flying into our solar system and back out again. That's opposed to most solar system objects that turn circles around the sun, never leaving the celestial neighborhood. Its journey, and the fact that it was accelerating, suggested that Oumuamua, which is estimated to be about 1,300 to 2,600 feet long, was a comet. And yet, there was no comma or outgassing detected coming from the object, said astrophysicist Daryl Seligman, an author of the Solid Hydrogen Hypothesis. Normally, comets come from regions more distant from the sun than asteroids, and ice on their surface turns straight into gas as they approach the sun, leaving behind a trail of gas, or what we see as a beautiful comet tail, Seligman said. That outgassing changes how the comet moves through space, he said. It's a bit like a very slow rocket engine. The sun strikes the comet, the warmest part of the comet bursts with gas, and the gas flowing away from the comet sends it tumbling faster and faster away from the sun. End quote. In June, Seligman and his colleague Yale astrophysicist Gregory Laughlin published a study proposing that Oumuamua consisted partially or completely of molecular hydrogen. 
Working within the construct of recently proposed hydrogen icebergs in the far reaches of space, where it's very cold, cold enough for hydrogen to freeze into a low-density solid, Seligman and Laughlin pointed out that a hydrogen Oumuamua would not have had visible outgassing from Earth. In other words, the lack of comet tails would make sense because they would actually exist, we just wouldn't be able to see them. But Loeb and Huang's paper argues that this hydrogen hypothesis wouldn't work, because even as cold as the outer reaches of space are, it's not cold enough for Oumuamua to form as comets do. Quoting again, Comets form when icy grains of dust bump into each other in space and form clumps, and then those clumps attract more dust and other clumps. Comets are like snowmen, they survive only as long as they don't melt. The stickiness that helps form comets is similar to the stickiness of ice cubes coming straight out of a cold freezer. Leave an ice cube on the counter for a minute or two, let its surface warm up a bit, and it won't feel sticky anymore. A thin film of liquid water on its surface makes it slippery. Wong and Loeb argued that even starlight in the coldest parts of space would warm up small chunks of solid hydrogen before they could clump together and form a comet of Oumuamua's large scale. End quote. And those hydrogen icebergs? They're located so far away that in the hundreds of millions of years it would have taken an interstellar object to get to our solar system from there, the heat of the starlight would have caused it to fall apart. Seligman concedes that his hydrogen theory only makes sense if Oumuamua is less than 40 million years old. But there are two groups of young stars, the Carina and Columba moving groups, that fit the age range and formed in a cloud of gas that then dispersed, creating a cloud of gas in which hydrogen icebergs could have formed. From there, an object like Oumuamua could have been ejected by planet formation, a gravitational nudge, or the molecular clouds that created the stars to begin with. But Loeb told Live Science in an email, quote, Shortening the distance that the hydrogen iceberg needs to travel does not solve the problems we outline in our paper, because the hydrogen iceberg would have formed when its parent planetary system formed billions of years ago, end quote. Loeb is adamant that hydrogen icebergs could not survive the journey from the nearest molecular cloud to our solar system. And with holes poked in every theory thus far proposed, the only theory Loeb believes makes sense? Aliens. Loeb will likely elaborate on his alien theory in his upcoming book Extraterrestrial, The First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth, which comes out in January. And I have to say, he's been the main guy pushing for aliens since the start, and the one who published the paper debunking every other theory, so I personally have a little bit of skepticism here, but, you know, also he's a legit astrophysicist who knows way more than I do, so maybe there's something to it. And speaking to Space.com last year, Loeb said, quote, This is not speculation. It's evidence-based. We have an anomaly in the data. And the viable explanations for that do not exist, other than the one that we are proposing. End quote. He urges his colleagues to at least consider alien intelligence, despite how it may sound, because, quoting again, This is a prejudice that we shouldn't have. Science should be open-minded. End quote. And one more quick space thing for you. You may have seen some headlines about an asteroid that's set to hit Earth the day before U.S. Election Day, because, you know, 2020 gonna 2020... Well, 2020 is giving us a break, for once. The asteroid 2018 VP1 is not going to destroy the Earth, or even likely cause that much damage. Scientists have been keeping an eye on 2018 VP1 since, well, 2018, and they estimate that it will come within 4,994.76 kilometers of Earth, which is close, so there's a 1 in 240, or 
0.41% chance that it will hit Earth on November 2nd. And as Science Alert points out, in a year like 2020, even a 0.41% chance might be too much for some of us. However, even if it does hit Earth, it's not big enough to cause wide-scale damage. Best estimates put it at about the size of a Honda Civic. It would have to be about 70 times as large for NASA to classify it as potentially hazardous. And an asteroid of that size typically burns up in the atmosphere before ever making groundfall. So, I'm sorry, but the election is going to go forward as planned. Or, you know, at least this asteroid won't be the thing that stops it. Some good news for anyone who may have overindulged this past weekend. Scientists in Finland think they've uncovered a hangover cure that actually works. The cure? 1,200 milligrams of amino acid L-cysteine to reduce headache and nausea, or half of that to reduce alcohol-induced anxiety and stress. This according to a new study published in the journal Alcohol and Alcoholism by researchers at the University of Helsinki and the University of Eastern Finland. To conduct the randomized double-blind study, volunteers were given a combination of cranberry juice and koskenkorva, a Finnish grain alcohol which measures at 10% ABV. The amount each got was dependent on their body weight, and they drank over the course of three hours in a hotel conference room. At the end, they were given the 1,200 milligrams of L-cysteine in pill form, 600 milligrams, or a placebo. Upon being interviewed about their symptoms the next day, those who took the 1,200 milligram pill had less severe headaches and nausea, while those with the smaller dose felt less anxious. In addition to alleviating hangover symptoms, the study's authors claim this pill could prevent alcohol addiction because the alleviated symptoms would stop the cycle of drinking again the next day. Now, while a hangover pill would rock, I have to say I have some serious reservations about this study. For one, the participants were all men. And second, it was a pretty small study. One made even smaller by some participants' unruliness. Quoting Bloomberg, Some participants weren't able to consume all the alcohol required and had to be excluded. Some had such a high tolerance level that they experienced no hangover symptoms. And some were sidelined because they insisted on topping up the dose by heading for the bar. Researcher Marcus Metzala told local media, end quote. But finally, the study was funded by a Finnish cat food company called Catapult Cat, who also sells, wait for it, L-cysteine supplements for humans. So, maybe just a tad biased there. Sadly, I think we are going to have to keep waiting for a hangover panacea. Beyond all the highly recommended Star Wars, Marvel, and Frozen content, there's a lot of weird and wonderful gems hiding out on Disney+. One of those is an hour-long musical commercial with a half-baked storyline called The Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World, which originally aired in 1977. Artist Rob Sheridan decided to dig this one up over the weekend and made an amazing discovery which he shared on Twitter. Whatever version of the movie Disney posted to Disney Plus appears to be a TV recording of it with all of the original commercials intact. The recording has a little bit of the texture and glitches of a VHS recording, although it is in much better condition than most consumer bootleg tapes are, which, as someone who digitizes a lot of VHS tapes in his spare time, I can tell you with some confidence. 
Gizmodo therefore speculates that perhaps it came from a local TV network recording, one that would have been on a professional-grade tape like Betamax. And while Betamax had been around for a couple of years, VHS tapes had only just hit the states a few months prior to the special's first airing. And the likelihood of an early adopter of either deciding to make a bootleg of a Mouseketeers special doesn't seem super likely to me. And according to Gizmodo, the special wasn't rebroadcast again until the late 90s, at which point it wouldn't have included these 1970s commercials. And the commercials are pretty great. There's an ad for Shake and Bake, for a Tonka custom van, for Meow Mix, which I didn't realize had been using the same slogan since the 1970s. There's also an ad for a meal-in-one microwave oven, which is hosted by a woman that reminded me of that viral cookbook, you know, Microwave Meals for One. The weirdest one to me, though, had to be for Gainsburger Dog Food, which started with a mom saying, Our dog had to go spend some time with the Morleys' dog so she'd be able to have puppies. Yeah, definitely a different time. Wow. Gizmodo has reached out to Disney for comment, and while I'm super curious to hear what they're going to say, I really want to get to the bottom of this mystery. I'm also nervous that they're going to take this version down and cut out the commercials. I mean, it is genuinely entertaining to watch these, so that would be a real bummer if that happens. But if you are into watching old commercials, I'm, well, for one, there's just a ton of them on YouTube, but there's also a channel called Buzzer, B-U-Z-Z-R, that shows old game shows, mostly from the 70s, and even airs some of their original commercials with the shows. And often, even when it airs new commercials, they keep them to a 4-3 resolution, which is, you know, just kind of neat. It's available on network TV in some areas, but also included in some streaming packages, so look up Buzzer if you're interested. But back to the Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World and its mysterious commercials. The special does say in the movie description on Disney Plus that it's presented in its original form, but that's more to acknowledge its possibly culturally insensitive depictions, a warning that Disney Plus had to add to a number of its titles, rather than meaning original broadcast form with commercials intact. And especially since a number of the brands in these commercials, like Canon and Tonka and Johnson & Johnson, are still around, I imagine Disney would have had to get the rights to air all of these. So I don't think it was intentional. And one interesting ripple that I wasn't completely able to verify just yet was a comment on the Gizmodo article from reader Torchbearer2, who said, quote, This isn't the first time they've been caught using pirated versions of something. In the parks, some of the music was taken from bootleg copies because there are no surviving copies available. End quote. I wouldn't be shocked at all to hear that some random local TV station was the only place with a surviving copy of The Mouseketeers at Disney World, as Gizmodo speculates, but dang, whoever flubbed on cutting out the commercials. I'm sorry, you're probably going to get in trouble with the mouse, but thank you for your service. Earlier this summer, I gave you the rundown on Action Park, that 1980s amusement park in New Jersey that was basically the most dangerous amusement park of all time. Well, the documentary that I mentioned then, the first ever full-length documentary about Action Park, finally has a release date, and it is coming out this Thursday, the 27th, on HBO Max. It's also been hitting up the drive-in movie theater circuit across the U.S., so maybe check near you for some screenings. It's been getting great reviews so far, and turns out it is narrated by comedy writer, podcast arbitrator, and I'm a PC guy, John Hodgman. So it should be pretty awesome. I personally can't wait to watch it and just wanted to give you an update that it is officially coming out now. 
But that is it for today. I'm gonna go finish watching the Mouseketeers at Disney World. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow.